It's a great blessing to be here this morning. I looked around toward the end of the song service, and I said, whoa, there's a lot of people here. I'm used to, to my 30 to 40 people back home, and so I'm a little bit out of my element here this morning. I appreciate that that has gone before. I appreciate uh, very much. Oh, look at there. There's a little timepiece up in the pulpit. That helps you, okay? Um, appreciate very much the things that Brother uh, Tim brought this morning about Mount Zion and Mount Sion. It's, it's amazing how the Lord works. You know, we were talking last night a little bit about God's providence in our lives and how um, God has, uh, he has a way of putting upon the, the mind of the minister just exactly what the Lord's people need to hear. May not want to hear, but they need to hear, okay? Uh, but anyway, um, I thought it was very interesting this morning. Uh, Brother Tim brought out those points concerning the church in Mount Zion. And just this, uh, this week, I had been studying on the church, and I come across this text in Isaiah chapter 2 that I've read numerous times over the years. And... Uh, and as I was reading it this, this, uh, this past week, it just leaped out at me. This is not my text, by the way. We'll get to that, Lord willing, in just a moment. Brother Tim made this point, but it just, I just want to share with you. It blessed me to hear what he said. In Isaiah chapter 2, he says this, And it shall come to pass, this is verse 2, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, plural. Okay, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top. So it's going to supersede every other mountain. Now, literally, Mount Zion, as far as in comparison to other mountains on the earth, it's, it's just a, you know, a, a pimple you know, on the earth, topographically speaking. But whenever you look at Mount Zion, it truly is. When you look at the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's set above everything in this world. Amen. Everything in this world. Right. And if you don't have that attitude toward the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the wrong attitude. Amen. Okay? Amen. This is the house of the Lord. Right. Not this. This Amen. is the house of the Lord. Okay? And it is higher than anything in this world. Aren't you glad you came? Amen. All right. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. Appreciate something else that Brother uh, Tim brought to us here this morning. And we're going to already was thinking about this. So I, I won't I won't uh, tell you that he you know, I can't blame this on him. This is this is just what the Lord is. I'm going to say it like Brother Sonny Powell said one time. He, he talked about his approach to preaching. He said, I don't bother a text until a text bothers me. Okay, now I can't claim that I'm like Sonny Piles, you know, but this text has been on my mind for, for several months. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's read the first four verses. Now let me see what time we're starting here. All right, so Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin 
which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Isn't it kind of uncanny how things just kind of tie together? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Okay. So over the last several months, I've been thinking about the race. Yet, did you know that we all, if you're in the gospel church, if you've heard the gospel, you're called to run a race. And this race has been laid out for you. This is a race that you didn't necessarily choose. However, you're to choose to run this race. Okay, And if you don't choose to run this race, you're not going to enjoy many of the benefits of running this race. All right? Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, he talks about a race you know, that we are to run, and we are to run this race to obtain a prize. This is not just some... You know, we live in a culture today that hands out participation awards... You know what I mean? Like, if you just show up, you get a, an award. When I played Little League Baseball many years ago, Nathaniel, it was many years ago, I, I admit, okay? I played, uh, the first year I played, we won the championship, and we got a trophy. The second year I played for a different team, we were in dead last. So I went from the top to the bottom, you know, in a year. When that second year, you know how many trophies I got? The big goose egg. But now you can be in last place and you still get a trophy. Like, what's the point? You know, I just show up, put a uniform on, I get my trophy, you know, all this sort of thing. Listen here, that's not the way it is in this race. All right? You have to run to obtain the prize. No running, no obtaining. Period. End of story. So run, Paul says. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. As I understand it, and I'm very weak in my understanding and, and understanding Scripture, as I read Hebrews, it seems to me that the writer is trying to encourage the Hebrew believers to hang in there. Right. Hang on. Don't give up. Be not weary in well-doing. You will reap if you faint not. You know, the, Paul says that in the Galatian letter. They are, uh, as I understand it, they are under a great deal of pressure. You know, when you read through you know, the Gospels, when you read uh, some of uh, uh, Paul's writings, some of his experiences in, um, in uh, uh, the book of Acts, we find out that he was greatly persecuted. Christians were greatly persecuted. So you can imagine, like, you're a Jew. You've grown up under Judaism. You hear the gospel. God has opened your heart that you attend to the things of the gospel. You embrace the gospel. You believe the gospel. You confess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, you're in the crosshairs of the enemies of the gospel. And you've got pressure and pressure and pressure upon you. you know, some, some of your friends who've embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ, who, who have followed Christ, they've been killed. You know, they've been martyred. You, you read in Acts chapter 12, I believe it is, about James, who was the first of the apostles to be executed. 
Anyway, you, you, see all your, you see many of your friends persecuted. You see some die. You see some homes confiscated. You see some of their goods taken away. You see, you know, perhaps family members disown you and all this sort of thing. A lot of, a lot of pressure. And so there were some who were recanting. Some already have left, you know, the, the faith. All right? The gospel. And so the writer here of Hebrews, which I think is Paul, but uh, the, the writer of the Hebrew letter is writing these to Jewish believers who are really fearful and are in danger of vacating or leaving the faith and embracing Judaism just to get out from under the pressure. All right. So he says, you know, hang in there. That's the gist of it. So we get into, you know, this, this is a powerful argument. By the way, if you read all of the book of Hebrews, Amen. powerful, powerful argument that he, that he uh, posits here for his readers. So in, in here in the, in the 12th chapter, he's, he's kind of summarizing or kind of bringing together something that he's laid out in the, in the 11th chapter about the, you know, people call it the hall of faith. All right. Is that all of these different individuals that we read about in the Old Testament, and many we don't even read about in the New Testament. These are others that he knew about. Uh, but nevertheless, these are men and women who, by faith, did some amazing things. They were able to stand you know, in the face of, of adversity and, and endure whatever hardships they met with for their faith in the Lord. Okay? Some even died. He, he mentions, you know, uh, here, those that were sawn asunder and so forth. Anyway, so he says, seeing, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Think about that being compassed about. You're encircled. Now, as I understand this word, it means kind of like you're in a stadium. You know, I don't know what the stadium here of Alabama, you know, the big old stadium here, football stadium, you got just tens of thousands, you know, around you. You're on the field, okay? You're on the field, and you've got all these people around you, you know, as spectators. You're being watched, okay? You're watched either by the world, or perhaps you're watched by believers, okay? And by the way, mentioning that, you can have a positive impact upon fellow believers, or you can have a negative impact impact. You can either impact them for good or you can impact them for evil. All right. And I think the writer here is, is, is saying, Hey, you're compassed about with, with a great cloud. In other words, there's a, a bunch of, them, okay. I started to say a bazillion, but maybe that's not a right word there. But anyway, there's a bunch of witnesses. You're, you're encompassed with a great cloud of witnesses. And I suspect that they're like these that he's mentioned in chapter 11. These are believers. They have, they have won the race or they have run the race and they have endured, you know, and, and, and so forth. All right. Anyway, he says, since this is true, let us lay aside every weight. Now, Brother Derek has brought forth, you know, he, he started this morning by saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All right. I remember something that, uh, Elder uh, Philip Dukes, I, I don't know if he's here or not. Is he? Yeah, there he is, back there. I remember that Brother Philip Dukes saying this many years ago, and uh, he's shaking his head there, but it's true, all right? I'm telling on him. Anyway, he mentioned how that, you know, when we look at the kingdom of God, you know, it's like a, it's like a big wagon wheel, okay? 
And you've got all these spokes going off of the hub of this wheel. And, and so he, he posits this, that, that everything that you do in life, every decision you make in life, all right, whether it be as a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, an employee, an employer, whatever, whatever it is in life, the center of that is the kingdom of God. Everything is determined by the kingdom of God. The way you make your decisions is determined by the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, it should be our priority. Amen. All right? The way, you, the way you conduct your business, it ought to be influenced by the kingdom of God. I want to, uh, to bring a, um, uh, a, bear a good name toward the kingdom of God. I don't want somebody to look at me, you know, as Shannon Whip's you know, handy, uh, handyman service and say, well, that man, you know, he says he's a preacher. He says he's a Christian, but, you know, he cheated on his taxes. You know? I don't want anyone ever say that and reflect badly or poorly upon the kingdom of God. Amen. All right? Everything is influenced by the kingdom of God. Anyway, so he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. This weight. Now, the word and sometimes can mean even. Okay? Or sometimes it can be a cumulative conjunction meaning an addition in addition to I'm going to stick my neck out here this morning and say it is a cumulative conjunction it's in addition and I'm going to explain why <clears throat> there are things we do in life that in and of themselves are not sinful however as Paul says in one place, let all things be done in moderation. If you don't exercise moderation in those particular things, then they can become a weight. They can become a hindrance. In fact, the word weight there means hindrance. It can be, you know, it can be like, well, I remember this scene depicted in the, um, what's the name of the Pilgrim's Progress? Is that the name of the book? Christian. You know, he goes through this gate and all of a sudden it's like this huge pack falls off of his back. You know, a huge weight falls off. Well, friends, you can let these non-sinful things become a weight, a hindrance. You imagine trying to run and you're carrying a hundred pound weight on your back. You imagine these soldiers who were wearing, you know, these 60, 70, 80 pound plus packs on their back and they're having to hike 10 and 15 and 20 miles, you know, on foot. All right. With these packs. Can you imagine how much better they could do those hikes without that pack? It would be you would be much fleeter afoot, wouldn't you? It, to be able to, you know, to, to do that hike without that pack. It would that pack slows you down. It slows you down. It hinders you in running this race. I, I want to run this race as fleet of foot as I can. Okay? I remember, you know, when I was in high school, I, I ran track. And, you know, <clears throat> when you're running track, in fact, I remember this one time, we, in the uh, Presidential Physical Fitness Award, I don't know if they still have those things or not, but uh, one of the events in that was the 600, okay? which is about a, a, a lap and a half around the track. 
Well, we didn't have a track at this particular high school. We had to run a place they had marked off out on the street. And so the first time I ran it, I, I, I beat everyone, everybody. You know, in fact, I set the record at the high school uh, that, on that particular time. Well, then about a week later, we were to run it again. Well, I already set the record, but I said, you know what? I'm going to see if I can beat it. I shucked everything that I legally could shuck to run. You understand what I'm saying? I was down to my shorts. That was it. No shoes, no socks. I was just my shorts running out there. My PE shorts, okay. All right. My PE shorts. I was out there in my PE shorts, and I was running as hard as I could run on that 600. Oh, by the way, I did beat my record, all right, by two seconds. But anyway, anyway the point is, I got rid of everything that possibly could slow me down, okay? Anything that would prevent me from doing well in this race, I got rid of it. You understand? And that's what we are called to do. In fact, that's what he's saying here. You're to lay aside every weight, whatever that is. It could be a hobby. It could be, you know, Facebook. It could be Instagram. It could be TV. You know, like, you know, Sunday nights I get out there. I lay back in my recliner and I'm like a vegetable, you know, and I watch you know, uh, Grit TV, I don't know if y'all have that here, but Grit, you know, they have all these old Westerns. I love these old Westerns, you know? And I sit back and I'll watch those things until 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And here lately, I've been, I've been, you know, of course, preaching about this. And you know, I have this imaginary finger looking me right in the face. You could be reading. You could be reading. You could be reading. You could be reading. Does that ever bother you? Yes. Good. Okay. <laughs> I remember something a brother said one time. He said, now I'm not going to take your play, play parties away from you. Your Easter and your Christmas and all that sort of thing. Y'all go ahead and do that. I just want y'all to, when you're doing that, I just want you to remember my face saying, you really ought not do this. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but you, under, you understand. Lay aside every weight, everything that's like got their hooks in you. Lay it aside. Lay it aside and run. Amen. And the sin which doth so easily. I've been reading my Bible since 1991. And it wasn't until this morning that that word easily just jumped right out of the page. And I'm like, Phew. and it was, it was embarrassing. And convicting. Think about it. And it's, I mean, of course, I mean, it matches very well with verse 4. This word, he says, lay aside every weight and the sin, the sin, which does so easily beset you. You know, that sin, singular, I believe is unbelief. But that is like the umbrella, unbelief, of all these other things. Right, like if you look at Hebrews chapter 4, if you've got a good reference Bible, if you look at the word, is it, yes, unbelief, you look at the word unbelief, in the margin, the translators say that it also could be translated disobedience. Right. So it's not just simply a lack of trust. That lack of trust, it displays itself some way, in some fashion. 
But it all is under the umbrella of unbelief. Okay? So, he says, let it uh, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset you. That word easily, I looked it up in the dictionary this morning, and it, it means that it, you know, basically, I'm just putting my own words, it comes to you without any resistance. Think about that. Did y'all have, not me, okay, because I'm above sin, but y'all have sin that just so easily creeps in there and you say oh hi there come on in here this is my pet sin right here you know uh abigail has this little dog i don't know what you call him it's a little tiny thing i mean it looks like just a big ball of fur you know it looked like if it didn't move around you would think it was a stuffed animal you know but anyway you know we kind of do our sin like oh is she pretty you know and oh hey ain't this cute no it's not it's not now frankie's cute but now the sin's not Okay? Sin's not cute. Now, we will cuddle it and we'll justify it and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll hide it, you know, and say, you know, that's, that's mine. You can't touch this. And we start, when the preacher starts talking about that particular sin, well, he's meddling in my business. What business is it of his to know about this? You know, all that sort of thing. But that's, it's still sin. Okay? And by the way, it was that sin, are you listening, that nailed Christ to the cross. That pet sin that you're hiding away, this is mine. I'll repent of all the others, but this one here, I really have a special attachment to it just easily creeps in. It just comes on in. You're like, oh, come on in. Here's, here's a place for you to, to sit. And we don't give any resistance. No resistance. Lay it aside, the writer says. Now, he says this just matter-of-factly. You know what I mean by that? In other words, he's, he, it's easier said than done. Okay? I mean, I can say, oh, yeah, you know, just, just lay it aside, Brother Cain. I mean, you know, it's, it's just sin. Just lay it aside. Well, that all sounds good, don't it? All right? But you know what? This is not an isolated case. You know, in, in, uh, in James chapter 1, about verse 21, he makes a similar statement there. I think it's 21. Yeah, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. Lay it apart. Just like me take off my coat, just lay it off to the side. Just, just lay it aside. Just take it off, lay it, lay it, you know, put it off. And then, you know, Paul, he makes, the, he makes this statement of put off. Put off, you know, the, the, the old man. Lay it aside, put it off. Just, again, matter-of-factly. But, you know, some things are easier said than done. So he doesn't stop there. Okay? He doesn't stop there. Okay, I hear you. I hear you, Paul. I hear you, Holy Spirit. You're telling me, lay it aside and I want to. But it's hard. How do I do it? And he tells you. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. You want to stray off course? 
Just take your eyes off of Jesus. Okay? Do you want to trip up in the race? You want to get tangled up in the race? Just take your eyes off Jesus. But if you want to run straight, you got to have your eyes on Jesus. Okay? I love the way the writer puts it in Hebrews chapter 11. He's talking about, about uh, Moses in verse 27. He, he talks about something that he did by faith. He says, he, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, I want to ask you, and I'm just going to be a plain old country boy here for a moment. How do you see something that can't be seen? Right? I mean, if I wasn't in the church, if I haven't heard the gospel, if I haven't read the scriptures, how do you see something that can't be seen? I mean, it's impossible to see something that you can't see, that can't be seen. I can't see electricity. But I guarantee you, it's real. All right? My son, my oldest son, Jason, he was, we were riding to a restaurant some, um, one time many, many years ago, and he made this statement. I forget the context. I just remember this statement. He says, I'm telling you, it's real. Well, I'm telling you here this morning, he's real. I can't see him. But the evidence is all around me and it's undeniable. Okay? He's real. Jesus is real. All right? And he is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one who's blazed the trail in front of us. He's run this race before. He set the standard, as it were. He has shown us how to do it. Now, he lists all these examples in chapter 11, and I'm thankful he did. Because these people we read in chapter 11 of, these people I can identify with more so than I can with the Lord Jesus, if you understand what I mean. Jesus, he's separate apart from me. I mean, yes, he's 100% man, but there's something different about that man than any other man. Amen? I mean, this is the God man. These men I can identify with because they are, as Paul says, and no, in uh, maybe it's uh, James. James says of Elijah, he's a man of like passions as we are. Okay, that's these these people we read about in chapter eleven. I think I got five minutes. Looking unto Jesus. I can identify with these people because they're people of like passions like me. Okay? They struggle with sin. I struggle with sin. You understand? Okay? But Jesus is the ultimate example. He's the one that I aspire to, not Elijah. You understand? I don't aspire to Elijah. Elijah spent some time under the juniper tree, you remember. 
I don't aspire to Samson. Need I say any more? I don't aspire to Solomon. I don't need to say any more. I don't even have to, I don't even want to aspire to Noah. Okay? All of these people we read about, they all had their problems. Abraham, who is the friend of God, had his problems. Now, there's some traits about Abraham that, that are good, and I want to aspire to those traits, but I see them perfectly in Jesus Christ. I don't want to settle for second best. I want the best. Paul said, I'm not settling for second best. I want to be the best. I want to be like Christ. I want to win Christ. We're running a race. And the way we're going to win this race is by keeping our eyes on the prize. And the prize is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just joy. You understand? It's not just peace. Those are good things in and of themselves. But friends, the best is in Christ. The best is Christ. I don't want just little tidbits. I'm kind of like that old song, I want it all. You understand what I'm saying? I want it all. I want Christ. I want to win Christ. I want to obtain Christ. Now, I'm just going to leave that just like it is. All right? And we'll maybe come back to this a little bit later. Friends, we all are called to run a race. This race is the same race. It's the same race. We all have the same race. We all don't have the same adversities. We don't have the same obstacles and challenges. But it is the same race. And to win this race, by the way, I'm not competing with you. I'm not competing with you. I'm competing with me. You understand? We all have a race. The race is set before us. The prize is Jesus Christ. As Paul says, so run that you may obtain. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.